Welcome to the Awareness in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Angela McMillan. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land I stand on today, the Ghana people. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. Let's have some fun together. I would love to welcome you to our community, the Movement Online Academy. An extraordinary life starts with your own well-being. Hello, Erin, and welcome to the Awareness Through Movement podcast. How are you today? Great, Angela. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you. Yeah. I just want to mention how amazing the painting is behind you. And for those listening to the podcast, you can go search the video. It's so beautiful. This is a work that my aunt Manette did for my husband and I when we got married. Um, she's been a great source of inspiration throughout the years for me. And it's, uh, it's rather large. So I'll show you kind of pan. It's of the Sonoma, Sonoma winery region in Northern California. Beautiful. And that's where you are at the moment in California. I'm actually in, um, Arizona. I reside now in Phoenix, but, um, my heart is always in Northern California. That's actually where I did my training program, with Russell and Linda Delman. Oh, fantastic. We're yeah. going to get to that in a moment. But firstly, you are a Feldenkrais practitioner like myself. So let's talk about your journey to, to where you are today. When did it all begin? When was your first experience of Feldenkrais and awareness through movement? Oh, it's a great question. In part, it's a... It's- it's a two-part answer, actually, because my first awareness through movement class was at ASU with Rich Goldsand. Oh, that's about 18, 19 years ago now. Um, and so I took a class with him for two semesters, and it was fascinating. I was really into yoga um, at that time. And I was so lucky to find this class as a master's student in my 20s. And when the year ended, he said, there's a training program starting in Sonoma. Yeah. And it was perfect because I was planning to be there anyway. So it was one of those uh, divine interventions, if you will. I am a clarinetist and never dreamed of doing anything but that. But it's been a wonderful blend ever since. Mm -hmm. But I'd have to say my first awareness through movement was actually when I had a jaw issue previous to that, playing the clarinet, I was about 19 years old. Mm. And I was uh, suffering from TMJ uh, disorder, which is when the, the area of where your jaw meets your skull, it was inflamed and overused, improperly used when I was playing. And I was desperate. So, yeah, that would have been so frustrating as a, a wind, someone that plays wind instrument. You need that mouth. You need the, yes. the door to work for you. It would have been so frustrating to, oh. to experience that. Well, yeah. and it also that my self-image was so wrapped up in being a musician. It was really my lifeline. And mm-hmm. to be up against this moment when I couldn't do the thing that I needed to in order to feel completely fulfilled as a human at the age of 19 
was very debilitating. So I couldn't practice. So oh. instead I looked in a mirror and I started to try to figure out what I saw when I played mm. and what I felt. And I noticed a huge disconnect. Mm. I saw muscles moving that were out of my control, out of my conscious control. So I started slowing everything down. I started playing with movement wow. so that I could understand what was happening and how to change it. I laid on the floor. I tried it face down. I tried everything I could think of. And it was only later that I realized hmm, I was retraining my brain. I was making a new map. Wow. So, so that's really my first awareness through movement <laughs> experience, even though it wasn't called Feldenkrais yet to me. Yeah. It's like you, you knew within yourself what needed to happen and started exploring fascinating which is kind of what Moshe Feldenkrais did when he began exploring mm -hmm. the Feldenkrais method so absolutely yeah. and so from those explorations did you feel some relief were you able to go back to playing oh yes because I was very dedicated practicer mm -hmm. And so I was used to spending hours by myself in a small room, in a practice room. And when I couldn't practice, what I would do is just do this over and over and over until finally I could understand how to open my mouth mm. in a way that didn't push the jaw forward. I had interpreted language um, from, from my very, very beginning years of playing clarinet in the fifth grade or something. I interpreted language of how to make my embouchure in a certain way, I was very driven. And I did it with my jaw instead of the muscles of my mouth. And I played like that for four years. And so I had, I realized oh, I was dislocating my jaw because I thought that's how I was supposed to play. So it ultimately, yes, it's it really sent me on a journey though on, of how to learn. Mm. Because I do remember going into sort of almost a trance-like state at moments of really feeling myself in a very different way. And I, I like to mention too, that I'm a fast person. Yeah. Um, giving me advice, actually notice that like you have one chance with Erin and then she's going to try to do it herself. I think it's the nature of being a musician a little bit, yeah. but I, I like to box. I, before COVID, I like to do aerial silks. Um, I like to run. So I'm a very fast person. But yeah. this ability to slow down and go into a different state really taught me how to really learn mm. what elements of learning that aren't really taught in our education system. Mm. Mm. Oh, I hear what you're saying. I was a dancer and a break dancer and used to those big, bold, fast movements that I mm. loved and to slow down and experience what I was actually doing is so profound and I think you want to talk a little bit about, you know, someone that is that fast person and they think, well, you have to feel it, you have to go hard, you have to push hard for mm -hmm. things to, to change or, or mm -hmm. uh, be beneficial. But let's flip it and talk a bit, little bit about why slowing down is so important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think I, I work with this in my private practice daily with people uh, from, from children with cerebral palsy to a 91 year old woman who's coming to see me right now, who's 
incredible, I mean, goals. I want to be her when I'm 91. But all of them and myself included at times have struggled with this ability to slow down because I think we're in a very, very fast world. Mm. Well, yeah. We've been in a very fast world for 100, 200 years, but now with technology, it's even faster. But the way that the brain learns new movement patterns is through this slow process of feeling, sensing, thinking, moving, and really integrating those into a playful uh, experience of movement. I tell people that when I'm working with people one-on-one or even in awareness through movement online, when you slow down and you pay attention to yourself, you are accessing the part of your brain that taught you how to walk. You would never yell at your two-year-old self or one-year-old self, move faster, right? No. (laughs) That part of your brain is the part of your brain that's responsible for changing all of your movement patterns Mm. because you're learning. And that part of your brain is just waiting for you to pay attention to it. Mm. And sometimes it does take a while to access it. We have thoughts and we have feelings that come up associated with slowing down. Sometimes if people are into their aging process and they're just, they really want to stay active. Sometimes they think that slowing down is part of aging inappropriately and they're fighting that. So it's challenging the mind and the thoughts that come up around slowing down Mm. that, that is as integral as, as slowing down, right? Because sometimes it's really very, very difficult to slow down. I remember in my first awareness through movement classes, I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew is I would go into these classes slightly depressed and I would leave feeling lighter and not depressed. (laughs) And then I'd go back and I just kept doing it and I keep doing it. And it took me months and months until I started to really feel what mm. Rick was talking about was slow. I remember one time specifically him standing over me in an awareness through movements class saying, slower, mm. slower. And he stayed with me until I felt slowness for the first time in my life. And it was such a profound sensation. It was such a relief. Mm. And I thought to myself, is this how other people feel? Do other people feel themselves this way? Mm. And, and then it, the rest is history. <laughs> I've just been using oh. it since. <laughs> I really connect with that because from, like I mentioned, I'm from a dance background doing my training. I think it took me probably two years to uh, I slowed down myself mm-hmm. and my my friends, the colleagues that I was training with all said, go slower, Angela. I'm like, this is my slow. (laughs) Uh, Until you actually really experience that slow and slow down and feel. Um, I don't think people really can connect the the two, can they? So, yeah, yeah. amazing. And you had that as a, a course within your training program. So you were able to keep going. Some people will do only a few lessons and think, uh, or one lesson and think, oh, no, that's not 
for me, didn't work, it didn't do anything. What would you say to someone that had that experience? Yeah, I often have clients too that'll come one time and they're they're so fascinated with how they feel, but they think it's magic. They think it's this magical feeling that they almost don't they almost don't realize they're allowed to feel like that more than once in their life. And that's when I tell people, this is a process. Come at least three to four times so that you give your brain, you give yourself the time and the space to find the right key into that part of your brain that's been sleeping since you learned how to walk and run. And then that was it. So I tell people, give me, especially with one-on-one work, well, and awareness through movement as well, but um, give me three or four sessions to see if you can really sense a change over that amount of time. Mm. And then for some people, that's great. They get enough information. And then I say, wonderful. I'll see you in six months when you want to feel something new. Because the reality is, is when we start to feel something new, and we want to feel that new thing more often, we have to practice it. Awareness Mm -hmm. is a practice, just like playing an instrument is a practice, just like, you know, cooking is a practice. Um, the, The ability to make something happen over and over and over again, then becomes habitual. Yeah, we talk about habits. We talk about we talk about habits a lot in this work, right? And really, when that new thing that you're feeling that feels so great, and maybe you found your sit bones, and you're you're now know how to rock on your pelvis, and now you can be on your Zoom meetings having a grand old time inside your skeleton instead of feeling back pain, right? Yeah. At some point, that's not going to feel new anymore because the nature of a new habit is that it becomes a habit. And and habits are such that you don't notice them after a while, right? Yeah. You brush your teeth one way, right? We talk about this all the time in Felon Christ. If you brush your teeth with the opposite hand for a week, it's going to feel really weird at first. So weird you're not. I want to do it. In fact, that's the adjective that people say the most to me. Oh, that feels weird. And that is a three-level word for it feels different. It feels good. It feels looser. It feels like not me, right? But if yeah. you keep brushing your hand, teeth with that hand, it's going to feel more and more and more and more normal. And after yeah. two years, you won't notice a difference. Exactly. Well, what happens? What happens when then you want to feel something new again. Well, that's when you go back to your Phil and Christ practitioner, you go back to your somatic practice to get more information about those movement habits that we all have. Yeah, love it. Uh, I love that explanation. Another thing you could say is it's a skill and a skill does take time to practice and learn, practice skill. Um, yeah, fascinating. I love talking this stuff. It's so great. <laughs> Yeah. So um, you must have started your training quite 
younger? Were you one of the younger students in your training? How old were you when you did your? I I started. I think I was twenty three, and we. Were, oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, we were one of the youngest training programs that the Delmans had. It was their last training program before they did their embodied life work, and. Uh, most of us were, not all of us, but many of us were in our 20s. So it was really interesting. Great. They had an intention to have a, a, a younger group and, and they got it. So, Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so a lot of people do come to Feldenkrais work when they are older. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that's fascinating that you had a younger younger group go through. And since then... So that was how many years ago that you graduated? 15, 15 years ago. Wow. What have you been up to since then? Well, I've had a dual career as a classical clarinetist and a Feldenkrais practitioner. Um, I lived in California for many years and did the freeway philharmonic scene, which was a lot of hours in my car. And then my husband and I moved to Phoenix and I sub with the symphony here and the Arizona Opera. And I work with a group called Urban Nocturnes and we're a local chamber ensemble. Um, where we do different module type concerts um, with the instrumentation that we have. Yeah. And I've, I've done Feldenkrais along with, um, and then COVID hit. So <laughs> I was shut down on every, uh, every level, right? Yeah. Um, I teach clarinet and piano. So I shifted that over to Zoom and I had a monthly workshop that I did um, oh. for awareness through movement and I shifted that onto Zoom and actually helped the yoga studio shift their people onto Zoom. Fantastic. I started a, 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 an online awareness through movement course and class that run uh, ran every week, actually twice a week in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, and started building a library of awareness through movement uh, lessons um, mm -hmm. of all sorts. You know, if, if you're not aware of our work, there are uh, over 400 different lessons and growing, right? Yeah. So, so not to not to have that be an overwhelming number for people, but just to know that this really became a, uh, a, a way to learn how to move any way you want to, right? Yeah. So an infinite number of lessons. So I have a, a class online. I started working with some friends of mine in Europe. We created a group called MIGSI, the Musicians International Group for Somatic Education. Okay. And did a crazy project of 100 days of Feldenkrais videos, just short 15-minute videos for musicians. That was quite a project. Um, and then uh, once kind of vaccines uh, became available... I had an opportunity to open up an office doing mm -hmm. Feldenkrais with an acupuncturist. So, um, so that's been what I've been doing primarily the last two years. I still play concerts, but it's uh, Feldenkrais is definitely a little more central in my experience. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yes, I um, first became aware of you doing the hundred days of. Uh, that was I was like, wow, what are they doing? <laughs> a long time. So yeah, it was one, it was a great time to do during COVID too, because as musicians, it was really a challenge to keep yeah. going. 
when you, I love playing my instrument and I love practicing. And, and even I who love practicing and playing, when you have no concerts on the books for the foreseeable future, when you went from a full load of concerts, it was a real challenge. So it was, this was a real potential for people to stay in touch with themselves in a new way, be able to slow down. So it was, it was a great project. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So what is next for Erin? What, what are your plans in the near future? <laughs> yeah, so I'm getting ready to head to the Carmel Bach Festival for a month in California, where I perform uh, second clarinet and very excited. I haven't been back since COVID, so I'm thrilled about that. And during that time, when I have less responsibilities at home, because I will not be home, um, I'm very excited to start working on all of these ideas that I have for courses specifically for musicians, specifically for clarinetists and pianists. Um, I have an essential Feldenkrais course that I'm teaching right now to ref and to refine that because I really want people who are into Feldenkrais who maybe cannot do a full training program to learn how to take what they're feeling and learning off the mat and into their real life. So that's my essential Feldenkrais course. And then I have my, my weekly my weekly class online as well. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's really important for people to understand if they're practicing Feldenkrais, how do you include it in your everyday life? Because exactly. there's no point to be, be feeling this amazingness just on the floor. We can that's feel right. amazingness doing the chores, <laughs> writing to pick up the kids or whatever you, you're doing in your world. Yeah, it sounds like a fascinating course that everyone should do. Yes, and I... I'm trying to make them 30 minute lessons. So anybody can find 30 minutes once you drop your kids off at school. There's that little time before you have to go to the gym where you can yeah. pop in and, and do this lesson. And I, I'm asking some really pointed questions of people. Like, for instance, we did um, last week a lesson really around flexibility, but even more so reference points. So we know as Feldenkrais practitioners, oh, if I feel this in the beginning, I'm going to check in and feel it here and check in and feel it here. But what is a reference point really when you talk about your whole life? Mm. How do you feel now compared to when you started Feldenkrais two years ago? Mm. That can be a reference point. So I like taking the concepts of Feldenkrais and bringing them right into daily life and trying to get people to really think differently because that's ultimately what this is about the mind mm. and body connection both directions yeah absolutely i'm a big advocate for that absolutely and saying that yeah that moment between dropping the kids off that's how i plan my days i make sure i don't do anything within in that half an hour after dropping the kids off so i've got my little moment to exactly do awareness exactly. with me if I like, or just sit and be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. I do work with a lot of moms and because I see a lot of people who are in this acupuncture clinic, it's, you know, people are used to coming and getting their treatments, which is great. It gets you feeling differently, but how do we take that again in, in into our real life? Even when we have a very busy existence with other people, there is that dynamic of how do I feel myself with other people? Yeah. So 
there it's it's just so fascinating. That's so fun. I'm so glad I'm a Feldenkrais practitioner. Thank you, Delmans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it's been fascinating chatting with you. Where can people find out more about you? I will drop everything in the show notes just sure. for people listening. But um, do you have a website? I do. So my website is my first and last name, erinfinkelstein.com. It's E-L, not L-E. But my business name is also Sound Movement Services. And so you can also type that in, sound move, soundmovementservices.com, and that'll bring you to the same website. Yeah, and we'll, we'll drop the links below as well. And, of course, if anyone is interested in chatting with Erin, this is why we have the Movement Online Academy. It's a community where we all talk this amazing practice, somatics and movement. So you can pop into the community. You can actually start typing the at and then Erin's name and her name will come up and you can tag Erin and ask your questions in the community check out her profile. All her links will be there as well. That's why we have the Academy for this uh, as a community to share all these amazing uh, insights into somatics. And so is there any last words you'd like to share with the listeners before we wrap this up, Erin? Oh, I just want to thank you, Angela, for everything you do. And this is such a wonderful community to be joining for the first time. I've had my eye on you, but um, I have been in my own sort of journey and I'm really excited about having more colleagues to work with and bounce ideas off of and just to meet more people because I think I just really believe in the power of this work. I, we didn't talk about this as much, but, you know, I've had a lot of stress in life and it just doesn't bother me the same way it does other people. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about in one of my courses is really how to deal with the stressors of life. And I just think that this work is so important and feels so good. And it's a wonderful journey for whoever's ready to really make some real changes in their life. Yeah. Oh, so important. Yes. Yeah. Especially with the last couple of years, people are, I don't think many people realise the impact that it will have on their body internally and, and how they could be living in a fight-flight freeze response mm -hmm. um, until they actually connect with themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, it's so important for this work to get out there and why we have the Academy. So, yes, I look forward to, yeah, all the conversations we're going to have. <laughs> Yay. Thank so you. thank you. <laughs> I will chat with you soon. Bye. Bye.